Wednesday night, another one in the books. So we're happy you're with us here live on Wrestling Inc. on YouTube, on Twitch, or however else you might be enjoying Alfred Kunima and Justin LaVar here. Alfred, this will be our last one of 2021 together. I will not be here next week. So let's go out with a bang. I know you're in the holiday spirit. You're going to be feeling good, right? Ho, ho, ho. Absolutely. You know, uh, it's bittersweet because this is our last one of 2021. But, uh, you know, I feel like uh, 2022, when it comes around, we're going to pick up right where we left off. But we're going to make this one count. They all count. We do a good job on all of them. But this one is going to really count because we're sending this off, like Justin Labar said, with a bang. I agree. I agree. And uh, we will be kicking off uh, next to 2022 together when uh, AEW launches in uh, for Dynamite to the TBS era. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a show from Newark, New Jersey on paper. And we learned some about that tonight, which we will discuss at great length. But first, let's uh, talk a few of the news headlines. <clears throat> All of them that we're going to touch on are actually WWE related, and none of it's really positive. Uh, or at least not, not overwhelming. You know, one is, is, is lukewarm, <laughs> neutral, but the other two. Not really positive, and the other two, of course, involving unfortunately uh, the disastrous situation of COVID nineteen, which uh, you know here in the U.S. can just ramping back up with this new Omicron variant, uh, and to no surprise at all, uh, is we're seeing WWE talent um, and employees having to deal with it, and they're reportedly testing positive, or at the very least, are in some type of quarantine and the protocol, waiting to get the results back. But it is uh, it is affecting you know, and which again, not a surprise offered. I mean, you have. You know, hundreds of these men and women who are just traveling. And so uh, this variant, as we know, is just, spreads you know, even crazier than any of the previous uh, variants of it. So no surprise that they're dealing with this. Um, this week's SmackDown is taped already. So that's at least in the can. But still uh, something to be worried about for, for WWE. Uh, and God, you hope uh, we're not going to be looking at Thunderdome territory again. Yeah, that's, I mean, all I can really think about, it's the worst type of deja vu. There were times in 2021 where it did start to feel like we were back to normal in terms of watching live wrestling, going to wrestling events. I remember going to SummerSlam and seeing a live uh, full stadium full of people like, okay, we're back now. And then just watching NXT last night, it was weird. And I was talking about this on the podcast. They had this uh, match between Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai where the first half of the match was backstage. And it really reminded me of a cinematic match. And that's when this deja vu started kicking in and you're seeing NHL's positive season. The NFL's having Tuesday night games. So it's right back to where we were at the worst parts of COVID. And now you're seeing events being canceled in WWE and uh, people testing positive. It's like, oh no, this is going to be COVID all over again. And I hope it's not. Well, you mentioned events being canceled in WWE. And again, you can read all about this and more on WrestlingInc.com around the clock news coverage in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, WWE has had to postpone another live event, this one in Canada. It was supposed to take place on December 30th, so I believe that's, what, next Thursday, a week from tomorrow. Uh, It's supposed to take place in Quebec. That has since now been postponed. Uh, I think the new date I'm looking at here is in March, March 6th. Uh, So, you know, that one's being postponed. There's a a few others they have coming up next week, one of which is actually going to be here in Pittsburgh. Uh, That is still on as as, as far as I know, as of this, this moment I'm speaking to you. Uh, so again, have to keep an eye on this. Um, you, you know, and I almost wonder too, Alfred, it's like, does this, you know, back in the situation now, I mean, does this, does this change booking? Does this, does, you know, do you, something that you might've, um, you know, for example, just throw an example, you know, AJ Styles and Omos all of a sudden, you know, it really escalated this past Monday, right? I thought what I, what I at least thought would be a little bit more of a slow burn. We get to rumble or something. And then we do the traditional breakup and man, they just jumped right to it. Now they're having a match next Monday. And, and part of me wonders, like, do you start to change your booking? Do you speed things up to get things done in front of the crowd? 
if you have any worries of having to tape things or having to go behind a closed set for a few weeks just to get your uh, your 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 employees back to healthy. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that might be what WWE is doing in terms of their mindset. Now, it's hard to tell because WWE speeds up a lot of storylines anyway. This is kind of par for the course in terms of how they book. Because I, too, expected this Omas AJ style thing to stretch out a little longer. It did take me by surprise, too, uh, on how fast they split. But that's a good point in terms of WWE might be looking at this thinking, okay, we don't want to have to compromise too many of these storylines. Let's make sure we get this out of the way. Let's make sure we get a lot of this done in front of a crowd. But I don't think that's necessarily the right way to do it in terms of speeding up. I think they really should, you know, kind of wait and see and keep going as they're going. Because otherwise, I think it'll come off as very obvious. And it would really ruin a lot of these storylines lines if the solution is just to speed them up and get them over with sure and to be fair i want to be fair i use omas and aj as an example because the ones freshers on my mind of something that just like really kind of rapidly sped up i don't think that's the motive i actually from i think you know russell votes tweeted something i I mean i think there are apparently are creative plans for both of them you know separately and so they just want to get this paid off and so they can move on but i could see things like this as an example uh, happening with motives of Man, these next few weeks might are a little dicey looking. Let's let's let maybe let's roll this out and again get a crowd reaction. It's kind of like it's kind of like trading a player on their last year of the deal. You want to get something for them, and not just you know. So you want to get something for your payoff for your troubles, uh, and in way of a live gate, and in, and more importantly, in way of a reaction that uh, is happening live. So a lot to keep. Uh, it's it's sad to say we're going into twenty twenty two, and and when COVID is more of a discussion than ever. Sad sadly. Um. Looking at some NXT 2.0 numbers, uh, looking at this past week, it drew 591,000 viewers on the USA Network, according to Nielsen via Show Buzz Daily. This is up 5% from the previous week at 561, so uh, in the right direction at least. And the uh, key demo of 18 to 49 drew 0.11, and that is down 21% from the previous week. So again, the argument of what what are we looking at more? Are we looking at total viewership? Are we looking at key demo? One's trending one way, one trends the other way. Uh, it was a unique NXT episode, as you just alluded to, Alfred. So I, I don't know w- really what to, what to take from these numbers, or if this is just where NXT is going to live and it's just going to fluctuate, you know, in this five hundred thousand dollar dollar five hundred thousand viewer range. <laughs> I, I think it's a mixed bag for NXT in that this was AJ Styles being advertised for NXT. So of course the total viewership was up, uh, which I think this tells you that the fact that AJ Styles was advertised really helped with maybe the older audience that was watching NXT, which NXT's audience, the average age is like 62. Uh, but I was very, very surprised to see how much it dipped in 18 to 49. Because yeah, like you said, uh, there's different schools of thought in terms of what's more important. I think both numbers are definitely, both metrics are very important. Uh, and it's such a big drop for an episode that advertised AJ Styles. It just kind of shows that, uh, you know, I, I don't think that uh, right now we're in a period that where people are, maybe there's a lull, maybe people are just not watching wrestling as much. Uh, but the fact that AJ Styles didn't have that much of an impact as I thought he would on uh, NXT, I think is a little scary for NXT 2.0. So we'll see how this fares for moving forward. That's wild to think when you, when you say it out loud. NXT's average viewers age is 62 not good what yeah especially for what they're trying to accomplish this is supposed to be the show with the young people who are the next up-and-coming stars you don't want the audience to be that old they got wale doing the theme song (laughs) they got the colors they're trying everything and it's all just cosmetic it just shows that they're not making that connection uh in terms of what their product is 62-year-old Gary sitting there watching Mandy Rose with his eyes all wide. <laughs> I love me some toxic attraction. <laughs> oh, boy. 
<laughs> there was a stripper I used to know went by the name Toxic Attraction. <laughs> I don't know why Gary sounds like that. That's that's yeah, that's what he sounded like to me in my brain too. <laughs> Oh, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on all of it. Uh, again, WrestlingInc.com, your place to be uh, for all your news headlines uh, for WWE, AEW, and anywhere in pro wrestling, really. All right, let's go ahead and uh, jump into Dynamite, the holiday bash edition here. Coming to you from Greensboro, North Carolina. And this is all going to be anchored around the main event, which is going to feature Sting. Uh, Tony Schiavone doing a lot of reminiscing. He's he's all over the show. He's in the ring. He's on commentary. He's partying with Britt Baker. Uh, of course, he's, he's reminiscing to the first time he called a sting match and did an interview with sting it was 1987 in, in greensboro so uh, a lot of a lot of uh nwa nostalgia is going to be um is, is going to be put in the subconscious for tonight to set up for the main event which is a hell of a main event that we will get to um real quick before we jump in i can get this one in there uh, hojo to go Belinsky, five dollars none of them will beat alfred's green bay packers viewership christmas day ain't that the truth they're gonna they're gonna destroy the browns and a lot of people are gonna be watching that so uh not to jinx my packers but i'm feeling very good about that game although COVID is tearing through the nfl so you don't even know who's gonna be starting that game uh knock on wood hopefully we've seen the worst of it in the green bay packer locker room but feel good about that game browns are gonna be tough though a little tough but i think the packers pull away late I was going to say, take it from a Washington football fan. You really don't know who is going to be playing <laughs> until the game starts. <laughs> hey, so, we had our own thing that, that yeah. we had to do with. I, I was really curious. You know, as soon as I found out at 4 o'clock that neither Heineke or Allen was coming off the protocol list, I was like, is Shane Falco tested <laughs> negative? Can we, get, can we get Falco in here? Good old replacements. Um, all right, so we get into Dynamite here. We jump in, and we kick off uh, with Adam Cole. He's 5-0 and in his singles uh, AEW career. He's going up against Orange Cassidy, who's nineteen and four in the last twenty-three. So both men hot. Both men are both men are, hu- are hugely over with the fans for totally different reasons. Uh, and so this is fun. This is a little bit of comedy to start out here with these guys drawing, you know, uh, lines in the sands and 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 um, you know Adam Cole, baby, and, and Orange Cassidy putting Adam's hands into his pockets. So a lot of fun comedy to start this off. And this ended up going from comedy into a really hard-hitting competitive match. Hell of an Oprah, far more than I expected uh, for, for this to be, quite honestly, but not not upset about this. Um, we do at one point see the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler. They come out, and they cause a distraction, but they are then uh, thwarted by the rest of the best friends, so they all brawl and kind of cancel each other out. Uh, a big moment here, uh, kind of the holy crap moment. Orange Cassidy kicks out of the Panama Sunrise. He kicks out, and, and the commentary attributes it that, that he got the kick out because while Adam Cole nails the Panama Sunrise perfectly in a mocking form, he puts his own hands into his tights and just kind of leans back uh, as his form of the pin on Orange Cassidy. He doesn't hook a leg or anything, and so that lazy cover is kind of what's given as the the attribute, the, the, the catalyst that allowed Cassidy to kick out of this huge move from Adam Cole. So big moment there, big false finish. Uh, and then finally, the finish we get to here is Bobby Fish is back out. Uh, it comes out to ringside, and he distracts the referee while who would emerge but the violent artist, Kyle O'Reilly. He's going to attack Orange Cassidy and then letting Cole hit that boom knee to the back of the head. And one, two, three, Adam Cole is the winner. And then post-match, the Bucks come out as they watch Cole stand there posing with Fish and O'Reilly, and the Bucks look very much confused and unhappy and then Cole uh, visually is kind of is all telling the story. He's kind of got one foot still in the line with his uh, undisputed era buddies. He's got one foot kind of stepping towards the Bucks. Who's he going to gravitate to? He leaves the ring and walks out with Fish and O'Reilly, and that's that for the night. Alfred, three fourths of the undisputed era are in AEW. Can't say we're surprised, but do you like it? 
Uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, I was not uh, very pleased with this episode of WWE 2.0, and uh, this kind of set the tone for what I felt was a very WWE-ish episode. This opening match, I thought, was very, very good. I, I think Orange Cassidy, I think, is ready. I know he's very polarizing in terms of people thinking he's not a main eventer. He's too much of a comedy wrestler, but this guy can go. And these last couple of weeks of Orange Cassidy, I mean, he just has a way about him that he stands out as, like, a superstar. I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, but having said that, this whole thing, I think a lot of people saw this coming. I think it was exciting how they played this up, but I'm getting more and more uncomfortable with the fact that AEW television requires you to have a working knowledge of WWE in order to really enjoy some of these storylines and some of these developments because these people were chanting undisputed. AEW has nothing to do with undisputed. Like they were banking, and correctly so. Tony Khan has admitted that only hardcore people watch wrestling and whatnot, but I don't think it's healthy to play into that. And uh, I just felt like, Okay, so we're going to get more of what we saw in NXT. It's going to be another rehash. There's another top storyline with Brian Danielson and Heyman that we see these references. Not as egregious, but even more egregious is CM Punk and MJF, where we're seeing a lot of WWE-type uh, origin storytelling. And I think that they need to start getting away from this. I don't like them leaning into this WWE mentality. And so seeing this kind of made me roll my eyes. But it was good in terms of the live crowd and seeing the pop. You can't argue with that. But at the same time, I'm getting a little nervous with it's very TNA-like in terms of their reliance on WWE guys. Well, you know, on the one hand, I see what you're saying. You know, and it certainly empowers WWE. You know, for 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 all the AEW hardcore fans that want to say WWE's trash, it only empowers by you know recognizing them. You know, depending on how blunt you do it. But I mean, but at the same point, if the it's not like you can't you can't it's not like you can avoid and act like WWE. you, know, you can't do the WWE mindset and act like nobody else exists sure you know what i mean so i, I guess and, and and it does pop this audience you know and if even if that's Tony Khan's mentality it's this hardcore audience that we're going to serve to it does pop them when there's these references you know and they, they think it's like a ooh or an ah you know you know shot being fired or what have you so i mean you know commentary did try to do their best just saying look these guys are former partners and you know that could mean anything that could be you know they could have been partners in japan you know so I don't know. I, I think it is what it is. Um, you know, in terms of how much former WWE is on the show and featured, I just look at that as if they were in WWE at once upon a time, that probably means they are probably one of the best that's out there. And why would you not want to get one of the best that's out there if they become free agents, which obviously all these talents have in some way or the other through, you know, through being released or through in their contract naturally expiring so we'll see i'll be curious what they what, what, what do they call themselves right. um i think the i think the thing i take away the most positive from this alfred is it's, it's obviously very clear the fans don't want to boo adam cole you can have him come out of the heel tunnel you can have him go up against another red hot baby face but the fans they, they're going to do the entrance no matter what they want to cheer adam cole you know he's a guy that's that's relatable in terms of look in terms of like you know he's not He's not something they can't they can't imagine. He's not six foot seven, six foot eight. He's not a bodybuilder. So I mean, he he does look more like your average guy. He performs and has charisma way off the charts beyond any average guy. But he is somebody I think who's relatable to the fans. You know, he he's got a personality that you gravitate to. You know, he's in a very public relationship with, you know, arguably the the red hottest female they have in, in the promotion. So I think there's a lot of things that just like guys just want. Everybody just wants to cheer Adam Cole. So by putting him in the stable and getting him out of the Buck stable. It at least allows for that to happen and sets it up. So, 
Yeah, I think, and I think this is going to be a good match. They're going to have the six man and whatnot. And I'm not necessarily saying that I hated all of this. I'm just noticing a pattern, and I'm just kind of projecting and analyzing this in the future. And it's like, okay, we're getting a little bit too comfortable, uh, especially at the top. That's my problem. Is that these a lot of their top storylines are are storylines that kind of and if there's no problem with involving WWE guys, you got to work somewhere, right? And and that's fine. But I just feel like not only involving the WWE guys, but leaning into what they were in WWE and kind of you know not into that culture is you're kind of blending the lines and it seems less unique i think with AEW. the more they do that so alfred's talking about being comfortable at the top you want to be comfortable at the top you want to be comfortable in the middle you want to be comfortable at the bottom manscaped can do that for you fellas this episode of manscaped or this episode of wrestling podcast of course once again sponsored by our wonderful friends at manscaped and by Using the code WINC20, you're going to get the hookup. That's right. Brought to you by our favorite producers of ball trimmers, Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, are leaving 2021 with a brand-new product. Clean yourself in the new year with their ultra-premium body wash. Special offer alert. Use the code WINC20, and you're going to save 20% plus free shipping when you go to manscaped.com and make your order. I got some of this new body wash. I got some of the shampoo and conditioner, Alfred. I don't, I, I don't know if you got to try it. It's got that, that wonderful, confident Manscaped scent to it. This is just topping off with all the under other wonderful products they have. You know, 2022, it's on the way. And the last thing you want to do is, is, is be a guy with your poop pubes just getting in the way and, and wrecking the start of your year. That's not what you want. So that's why you got to up your game by using some of the wonderful products they have, like their signature lawnmower 4.0. It's there to take down every pube in its path. You also have the Manscaped Engineered, the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on int- intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to help reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It's even waterproof. So you have all these items. You have, of course, the shaving kit bag. You have the nail clippers. You have the wonderful shirts. You have the wonderful boxers. I'm wearing them right now. What other podcast host tells you what kind of underwear they're wearing? <laughs> Manscaped.com brings it out in all of us. Let's talk about being clean, feeling good, and smelling good. Like I said, that new body wash solves all three. It's a perfect addition to your daily grooming routine, but in the shower. Again, use the code WINC20. You're going to save 20% plus free shipping at manscaped.com. You might be cutting it too close. Christmas gifts might already be wrapped up and ready to go, but still, it does not matter. There's no bad time to ever gift yourself or gift for somebody else a wonderful product like all the products that manscaped.com has. And Alfred, I know Manscaped, big part of your life. Huge part of my life. I'm actually very jealous that you got a pair of boxers and I didn't. So I'm going to have to talk to the head of Manscaped to uh, find my pair of boxers or boxer briefs or whatever they want to give me. But Manscaped is incredible. Uh, it's really revitalized my 2021. And if we have to go back in our houses because of Omicron and we get all hairy, I'm definitely going to be groomed in terms of a hairy man. And I'm going to be, uh, make sure I do the below the waist grooming as best as I can. Because, you know, when I didn't have Manscaped in 2020, it was a mess down there. Not to give you too much information, but it was a mess down there when I didn't have Manscaped. I'm all in on confidence and smelling good this year. So join us with Manscaped for 2022. Again, WINC20, save 20% plus free shipping. We thank them for all the support they've been given to the Wrestling Inc. podcast then, now, and hopefully forever on. We appreciate it. All right. A uh, nice little super sticker from Oz. Thank you, Oz. Hey. We appreciate that. Um, all right. Back to the program. 
Uh, so to follow up this uh, awesome opening uh, match we get here, we then get Tony Schiavone in the ring with Hangman Adam Page, and he says he's never felt less of a champion. He's disappointed, disappointed the fact that it went to a draw the week before with Brian Danielson. Brian then interrupts. He interrupts the entitled Millennial Cowboys. He calls them, oh, you're sad. You know, <laughs> you went 60 minutes with Brian Danielson, and you still have that title on your shoulder. You're sad. You're, you're so entitled. Um, Brian Danielson says, that uh, he kicked Hangman Page's ass and that he should be champion. And he proposes the next time they fight that the rematch, that to make sure that there is a finale, that there should be judges. That's right. Brian Danielson wants to go boxing style. He wants to have some judges, some MMA or boxing style. He wants to have judges there. Uh, it looks like that's what's going to happen. They confirm that the rematch is going to take place in two weeks. The first Dynamite on TBS coming to you from Newark, New Jersey on January 5th. Yes, That's going to be the rematch here. Uh, it's going to be uh, Paige Danielson, too. Um, Alfred, I know we kind of touched on this in the past. First show on TBS. Yeah, they just went a Broadway. Ric Flair put it over big. I think I read the tweet live on the air last week. I got it. Again, this is like smelling to me that Ric Flair uh, could be making an AEW Dynamite appearance. This is all my speculation, but this really lines. The stars really line up for this. Do you think he becomes one of the judges? I think so. That's what I that's what I was thinking in terms of hearing that there'd be judges and I could see Ric Flair doing that. And I like that AEW is capitalizing on this match that it did very well on YouTube in terms of going over a million uh, views. And I thought it was a great match. I was not a fan of the finish, but the fact that there's still buzz around this match to capitalize it. And I think that's where they went wrong with Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson. I'm looking back on it. I see why they kind of went their separate ways after one match, but you got a hot match like this where they went Broadway and that's the story. And then just jump right back on it a week later and say, we're going to run it back. I think is going to be good. And I think they're going to have a good match. I think it goes like 59 minutes and, but doesn't go to the judges. I think it's going to be cosmetic reasons for the judges because that would really be a kind of weird finish, especially Hangman Adam Page alluded to this about how his title reign has gotten off to a slow start. Doesn't feel like a real champion winning and retaining a title or especially a pro wrestling title by decision is not really pro wrestling championship caliber type stuff. So I see Hangman Adam Page getting a, a true victory. One, two, three but a long match as well. Yeah, it'll be, I, I agree. I think it will be, they'll be pushing the envelope close to 60, but not quite to 60. Yeah. And who, you know, I mean, uh, hanging page, even kind of uh, acknowledge the judges saying, okay, you know, here's a chance to get some old guys a payday. So be curious who, who the judges are. You assume three. That's kind of like, that's traditionally how judging work. You have three judges. Uh, so you assume three. So be very curious. You know, do they, is it all former wrestlers? You know, we've seen them, uh, you know, the, the, AEW is much more, acknowledging of the wrestling media and the podcast that you're, I mean, like, you know, do they dare bring out like a, a Raj Geary or a Dave Meltzer <laughs> or a Wade Keller? And I'm not joking. Like, no, we can see it. I mean, Wade Keller's made a living on, on, on putting stars to matches. Um, I, I, you know, I'm kind of, that's so kind bring of out like, Dave Meltzer and he'll give it five stars right there on the spot. And you know, <laughs> it has it. five stars before the bell even rings. Yeah, exactly. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> His mind was made up before the bell rang. <laughs> Um, so I'll be curious to see how that is. Um, yeah, and there was, and, and yeah, you kind of alluded to it earlier when we we're talking about WWE references. Uh, uh, Hangman Page uh, making a reference to uh, a B plus player, uh, of course, taking a taking a jab at uh, what Brian, you know Brian Danielson was was referred to in storyline in WWE. So uh, more of the same, and and then of course ending with the uh, Page using the yes chant, using the 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 yes exclamation uh, against Brian Danielson. So uh, no physicality between these two tonight. It was all verbal jabs. But uh, certainly, uh, first Dynamite in TBS uh, 2022 is going to be anchored by what should be a hell of a match. I'll be, again, curious, Alfred, if this match 
goes up on the top or do they hold it for the second hour? Because, again, when they start the match in the program, uh, can tell you a lot about potentially how long how long it could go. So, yeah, and I think I hope they learned from last time because when you saw the number it did from last week, it was a good total number. You know, nine forty eight thousand is a good number, but they did a big drop in eighteen to forty nine that shocked me. And uh, in terms of the long match, you know, drawing an audience, it did fine there. But I just felt like since it didn't have anything else on the show of real substance, I think that's what hurt it. So hopefully, in addition to this match, they at least have surprises planned. They at least have something that will get you to stay and stick around for this whole show. Up next, we see backstage MJF with uh, the boys in the pinnacle, and he's just kind of, you can tell him and Wardlow not on the same page. He wishes, you know, Wardlow should have had that champagne ready to go last week, well before, you know, the matches had even started. So uh, things not quite on the same page there, but then MJF and FTR transition into cutting a promo on CM Punk, Darby, and Sting ahead of their main event match that would be coming up later. Uh, real quick, super chat. Uh, we got F50 saying Page could have used a strong standalone promo. I think when you only have a couple weeks uh, in between their last match and then this rematch, I think you need to have the two of them verbally yeah. sparring it out as much as possible to keep that tension and that heat there. So standalone promo doesn't do nearly as nearly as I much. Agree. Uh, so we go right from that backstage to uh, it's time for Wardlow now to hit the ring. And Wardlow's out there again. Sean Spears alongside with him. Wardlow, the longest active streak among men in AEW uh, for winning streak. He's got 14. He's up against the captain, Sean Deans. And uh, this is just going to go straight to power bombs. And the crowd is really just starting to, this is starting to just become part of the attraction of seeing Wardlow is, is, is counting him along and, and requesting how many power bombs you want. The, they settle on four for the tab tonight on uh on captain sean uh and so warlow's gonna get the obvious win here spears once again in the ring with the chair starts hitting uh sean and, and wardo again kind of just frustrated and annoyed that he's putting in the quick work uh doing doing business and then here comes sean spears to, to try to take some credit in some way or the other so again not nothing much more just little bits each week but it seems like we are just getting moving closer and closer at some point to the defection of warlow from the pinnacle I love everything about this. And if done right, which I think they will do it right, Wardlow is going to become a superstar. I like that they're taking their time. They're doing these power bombs that's getting it over. But at the same time, now you got Sean Spears being the power bomb police and uh, Wardlow's win streak. I really like that they put that over and I hope they keep putting it over because, you know, it's one of the most simple things. But if done correctly, win streaks with young wrestlers who are getting over with the crowd are really going to establish him as somebody who should be deserving of a world title shot. Maybe is too good to be along alongside MJF being his heavy, if you keep pointing out, wow, that's 17 wins in a row, that's 20 wins in a row, and this, that, and the other. So I, I hope they do everything that they did tonight, uh, but of course over a, a longer period of time, and it's going to lead to a really, really momentous uh, turn for Wardlow, because I think he's going to be a huge baby face. I agree, and, and one thing i got to give AEW a lot of credit for is they, uh, they've they really done well on their long, I mean, since the inception of the company, they, they do well with their long-term um slow you know whether whether it's you know whether it's jericho and mjf and how that kind of unfolded uh, you know and there's a lot of other ones that they just they do really well it seems with the long term of, of the stories they stick to um you know they, they clearly go into them having the idea of what the end game is going to be uh so it's not disheveled it's not at least if it is it doesn't come off that it comes off like this was there was a clear plan so that makes me excited about there's a clear plan there's probably a date circled on the calendar and probably the location of that date is plays an effect and they have an idea of what they want to do which that's 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 refreshing yeah so up next dan lambert dan lambert is back he's up in the he's up in the crowd in the skybox somewhere 
And uh, he accuses Tony Khan, man, of working on the buddy system. If you're buddy with him, yeah, you get title shots and TV time. If not, you're sitting back and catering. He talks about how Scorp, you know, you got Scorpio, you know, pinned, uh, pinned Jericho twice, the only guy to do that. Then there's Ethan Page, who does everything better than everybody else. And he says, Tony Khan, Tony Khan even wants Dan Lambert to try to get these people to cheer Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Khan's trying to use him, trying to use Dan Lambert, which was just a, I mean, wow. Uh, so Dan Lambert, uh, you know, just putting over, reminding you uh, who he is, who his guys are, what American Top Team is all about, uh, and and just running down AEW and, and Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes and, and and everybody else who's an EVP, who he says is all because you're buddies with Tony Khan and, and what have you. So uh, that's all there is to this, but another Dan Lambert home run. Absolutely. I see it the same way. He did such a good job of going right up against that fourth wall without completely destroying it because he didn't really go into booking in the fact that Cody Rhodes is supposed to be a babyface or any of that. But he said, you know, they're trying to get them to cheer for Cody. That That is something that I think works in the context of kayfabe and that like now that they're going head to head, he's such a lightning rod that, you know, Cody Rhodes hopefully we'll get a good reaction out of that. So I thought Dan Lambert was good. What I love about this Dan Lambert character and his promos is he's telling the truth. I mean, it, maybe it's not all the way the truth. It is a version of the truth. It is something that a lot of reasonable people believe are the things that Dan Lambert's saying, but he delivers it in such an obnoxious heel way. And I think that's the quintessential heel in that you hit that happy medium of the truth, but doing it in a way that makes people not like you. And I think Dan Lambert does a great job of that. Yeah. And props to him that he nails so many of these promos. And these are live promos. You know, they could very easily protect and try to put him in pre-tape situations and give him as many takes as possible. But they let him go out there. You know, he's standing in the chaos of the crowd doing this. Um, you know, you know, if you can see he's got an IFB earpiece. Uh, I don't think he's being fed lines. I think if, if it's probably just cues because he's he doesn't have a cameraman or a, pro- a producer or anybody around him. The, the camera is across the arena that he's looking into. I, th- I think it's probably just a cue him. Um, but, you know, I think this is truly him delivering these lines one take on his own memorization and or just interpretation of, of of what what needs to be done and i he just does a, a really great job i mean obviously the dude's pretty well set in the mma world with his gym and you know i don't think he's doing this for the money i think he's doing this he, he's probably paying tony khan if anything to be able to do this yeah. he's probably just having a blast but i mean this guy if he ever wants to you know i mean this guy could stick around and be a, a regular and 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 an aew as a heel manager and i don't, I don't think anybody with that night fits right in perfectly yeah, that's a great irony of Dan Lambert is he comes across as an outsider. He's from the MMA world. He cuts promos saying things that an AEW outsider would say. Nobody probably loves pro wrestling or AEW more than Dan Lambert in terms of how big of a fan of pro wrestling as a whole in terms of his belt collection, which is the stuff of legend. Mm-hmm. This guy lives and breeds pro wrestling outside of MMA. So that's a testament to how well he plays his character. Because I talk to people all the time who are convinced that this guy, maybe not be shooting, but that a part of him believes all of this. And it's like, Dan Lambert in real life loves AEW, yeah. so this is great performance from this guy. Yeah, the fact that he makes you believe what he what he says is, is truly good work there. Uh, Tony Schiavone's backstage at uh, Dr. Britt Baker's Christmas party, uh, where she's taking shots at Rio and uh, talks about how you know. Well, Tony's reminding her about how she hasn't had great luck against Rio, and she's kind of uh, you know shooting that down, and says Rio's going to be out of her league, and she's going to shoot her eye out. Nice little mm-hmm. Christmas uh, movie nice. reference there. Uh, so. Uh, I guess that's is that is that also on the first Dynamite in 2022? Is that 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 match? I don't know if they announced it for that. It might be. Um, I'll have to go look, but I don't think. Um, I didn't sure have it on my. That. Yeah, I didn't have it in my notes. I thought I know if I missed something. So yeah, I little back, little backstage there. Uh, this next piece of video is interesting. This is a a look at uh, Owen Hart 
they do a montage here that is uh, part uh, current AEW talent uh, and personalities speaking about their memories uh, or the influence that, that Owen Hart has had on their career. And that is being uh, interchanged with uh, video, which obviously to be appears to be part of the Martha Hart uh, video collection, much of it home video footage. Uh, there is some wrestling, uh, some some stuff in Japan, some stuff in, in, in Canada and in Calgary. So stuff that, that the family must own. Obviously, the WWE owning so much else of his career. Uh, this was really cool to watch. Uh, very emotional, especially if you're somebody who's old enough to have been around when obviously not only when Owen was an active performer, but obviously being around and watching that that scary night in May of 99 when he um, unfortunately passed away on pay-per-view. Uh, so this was pretty emotional because, you know, Owen Hart's been, uh, I don't, he's been largely, you know, kind of just by WWE pushed aside. You know, it's, it's a terrible night in the history of the company. Um, you know, they don't, it's not like they show a lot of video of him or, or what have you. And they're the ones that own the bulk of his video library. So to see this much video of him, and then so many talents, Mark Henry, Matt Hardy, Dustin Rhodes, so many talents that that were in WWE with Owen at once upon a time to see them getting to candidly talk uh, about Owen. This was this was kind of wild. This is not something we've seen much of in the last 20 years. So uh, pretty cool. And they announced, uh, of course, there's going to be this Owen Hart Cup, uh, both a men's bracket and a women's bracket. That'll start uh, just after we get into the new year. And it's going to culminate at double or nothing. Uh, Alfred, uh, first off, reaction to seeing this Owen Hart uh, package. Absolutely loved it. I think it's a blessing in disguise that AEW cannot use this WWE footage or any of this kind of clean cut Owen Hart vintage footage because it seems so much more real when you see the home videos, when you see, as you said, from Martha Hart's collection, possibly this rare footage of this guy, because this is a very delicate topic. You know, this is a man who passed away and the way you approach this in terms of using his name should be done in a way where I'm not looking at it cynically like, oh God, this is a money grab. They're just using Owen Hart's name. It doesn't come off that way at all. It comes off as an authentic, real tribute to Owen Hart. And this authentic video of him like the home videos uh, the fact that they have to work around all this corporate footage i think helps this whole scenario makes it seem so much more real and poignant so i, I really like the segment that's an interesting way to look at it uh yeah so this is going to be and I, and I believe there's a the owen hart foundation uh that logo was up on the screen so that's going to somehow um I'm guessing some some type of proceeds or something that's going to come from from this is going to be donated to that. Uh, and they said culminate at double or nothing, which I believe is usually in May, correct? May in Vegas. So yes. I'll be, uh, you know, what do you think? What what's what what's your Vegas odds on Bret Hart being there to be part of crowning the Cup winners? I think. I mean, I'm not going to say for sure, but they're definitely probably going to make a push for it. I mean, Bret Hart famously appeared to unveil the AEW World Championship, so there's a precedent. So unless WWE gets to him and offers him some type of bloated Legends contract or something, I really do see Bret Hart appearing. And at the very least, I see AEW making an offer asking Bret Hart to appear. Sure. Yeah, I think absolutely an offer there. What 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 legally can be done? What what Bret's what whatever. I don't know what Brett's current situation with WWE is, what kind of contract he is retained to and what it limits him to. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that seems like that's like a no-brainer if Brett's able to and you can get him there that you you would have him involved. Uh, Corey Pride, $5, RIP Owen. Well-deserved tribute. Yeah, it was really, really well done. Um, yes. Like I said, getting to see some of the guys who've worked with him in the past and then, um, you know, new names like Eddie Kingston, Adam Cole, just talking about how, you know, how he inspired them as they were growing up. So, uh, again, if you didn't see Dynamite, make a point to go out and, go out of your way to see this part all right up next we get a semi-final match in the women's tournament uh and this is uh nyla rose versus ruby soho uh, a nice little 
spin on Ruby's uh, finisher that, that she hits in the corner. Um, she gets the win. I, and then after this, uh, she gets the win. She is almost in tears and she's holding her left shoulder. Ref's checking on her as she celebrates a little bit, but then she even leaves the ringside area. The doctors are walking alongside her. Um, I, I couldn't go back and rewind because I'm trying to keep pace with this show as we're taking notes. And obviously we're on a time crunch to get here on the air. So I didn't get to go back and see and find one one move or moment that I thought, ooh, that's the injury. So there might be one that I just haven't got to go back and see. But uh, I know, so, you know, maybe she was selling really good, but it was to the point when the doctors and stuff come up to her. That usually, and again, she was like in tears. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I won. I'm going to the finals. But I think I know what this is. I think this is a blown shoulder or so. This is something that's going to screw plans up. That's what it looked like. Um, so we'll, that's all speculation. We'll have to wait and see uh, what we hear. But as of now, she is in the finals and she is to uh, face the winner of Jade Cargill versus Thunder Rosa. And she also has a history of shoulder injuries. I believe she suffered a long-term shoulder injury when she was in WWE, and I did notice that something seemed off in terms of how they approached this afterwards where it wasn't didn't seem like just selling. And if it was, testament to Ruby Soho. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll hope, again, as of now, uh, 10.46 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday night, we do not know anything. I'm just speculating. Maybe by the time you hear this tomorrow, whenever it might be flashed headlines around dressing ink we might know the deal but as of the moment i don't know but it's certainly looked looked pretty bad uh, but hopefully she is okay and it's just a false alarm all right we get griff garrison up against malachi black of course malachi black uh you know spitting to julia hart's uh, face a few weeks ago with the mist and then he had a creepy cult promo last week and griff garrison's all fired up and you know pillman you're either with me or i'm going at it alone so Garrison uh, and Garrison gets some shots, and this is this is not a squash match. This match gets some uh, back and forth between the two. It's going to finish up with Malachi Black uh, hooking a single leg crab submission on Garrison. Garrison's going to tap, and then after the match, uh, Pillman comes in, and Pillman just gets his house rocked with another one of these spinning round house kicks from Black. Just looks vicious as all hell, and that's that. So uh, obviously more to come between these two. But Malachi Black, man, he's just. Uh, he's firing in all cylinders right now. The look, uh, the, the the in-ring work, obviously, again, probably st- going to be starting some some group, some faction from what we saw in the videos last week. Um, Malachi Black, p- p- buy in high, on, buy in quick and high on him for 2022. Absolutely. They're gearing him back up. I felt like there was a weird period where he was teaming with Andrade and it seemed like they were going to put him in some group uh, and I was very nervous for him, but he's right back with a vengeance. I feel like this is the best Malachi Black killing people, and now he's probably going to get his own stable. So, yeah, he's going to have – I think they have big plans for him in 2022, and I wouldn't be surprised if he won a world championship somewhere in between there. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. He does have a weird kind of track record with Andrade in AEW briefly. And then, like, remember when they, like, panicked and called him? He was in the middle of, like, a great NXT run, and they panicked. I think it was, like, him and Gargano yes. as a team – or, no, it was him and Ricochet. Him and Ricochet oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. all of a sudden pop up and they're on the main roster and they're like doing pre-tape interviews and gorilla together coming out. Like this is black who had like that creepy rise from the the, the crypt entrance and now all of a sudden he's out there with you know Ricochet. It was so weird. It's like <laughs> what is and then and then they just like forgot about it, reshuffled and and you know <laughs> packaged him the way he should be as a singles guy. But yeah, he's had a weird, weird run of uh of random times being paired with guys he's that should ha- visually should have no business being paired yeah. with. He's a great loner. I think that's the rule of thumb with this with Tommy End with the guy. Uh-huh. He's a great loner in terms of what this character is. But if you're gonna put him in a stable, don't put him as a part of it. I think he should be leading like a House of Black, where it's in his image and he's kind of like a cult leader. So I think that's gonna work. Yeah, and like if you ever listen to interviews with him, like real interviews with him, like he's always been fascinated with the dark arts and the, the cults occult. and 
and like yeah i think, I think his father was like involved in some mm-hmm. some stuff so like i mean again it's it's always it's that it's that famous uh line with 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 wrestlers and, and the characters that you they don't want you don't you don't want them playing a character you just want them portraying again themselves with you know with a unique spin on it or the volume turned up to 10 as stone cold would always famously say and that kind of seems like that's malachi black here is he's or tommy end he's he's able just to take you know take some origins uh from some dark places and just crank it up so yeah we'll see what's to come there all right main event time this one's gonna get a lot of time just based upon what time it is on the clock in the second hour for the entrances you knew they were gonna give this one plenty of time out first of the heels mjf and ftr and then here comes the faces. First off, and a key face, Sting coming out there with a great face paint job, a take on his face paint, but he's got the CM Punk, oops, he's got the CM Punk fists. He's also got CM Punk shirt on, so uh, hopefully uh, Sting's getting a little kickback from the uh, the increased merch sales that are going to happen overnight for Punk. Punk's trying to get back to number one, man. He got overtaken my hook. He's got to do something. Did you catch Taz's uh, shot at that? I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Uh, so Punk, or uh, excuse me, Sting's out there with his face paint. Then uh, Darby's out there. Darby's kind of got more of a take of like uh, late '80s Sting uh, with with the with the bright pink. And then here comes CM Punk. CM Punk's got more uh, uh, bl- uh, uh, warrior style. What, what was the tag? The the, the was a, what Demolition. was the tag team? The, the oh, tag the team. Blade the, Runners. Blade, Blade Runners. Runner Punk. Yes. Blade Runner Punk. Yeah, that, that's uh, that was of course the tag team that Sting and Ultimate Warrior were in before they were Sting and Ultimate Warrior. So this is really fun. And Sting, and Punk's also got you know Sting Scorpion uh trunks on so this is a really cool sting cosplay again back in greensboro where you know sting had so much of his uh career um unfold and so this is really fun um a lot going on in this match mjf the theme here mjf is actively avoiding punk in every which may which way even to a one point where they uh, mjf runs into the crowd and they run up in the concession stands and they come down another few sections and they did this all like in a matter of like 30 seconds it was like a dead sprint in the middle of the match as they're running around this arena so that was pretty funny. And then it culminates by them ending up ringside and all the teams are all standing kind of, you know, ready to square off with each other on the outside. And then Darby Allen, like a missile, just comes flying through the ropes and bulldozes himself in MJF and FTR. And we go to commercial break. That was pretty crazy. You know, and then from there on, I mean, so much going on, uh, Alfred. We got, you know, Dax has opened up, looks like the hard way. Uh, like I said, Darby's flying around everywhere. Sting, uh, he looks like he's you know, he was trying to make sure he had all the spots or whatever, but he does this one spot where he ends up hip tossing MJF over the top oh. rope. MJF's supposed to be caught by FTR. He's caught by FTR, but just by how much force Sting gave him and just just how it positioned, MJF comes down and lands on his head. Uh, a little bit of concrete slab in between the mat and the guardrail that's on the outside, and MJF lands on that slab. Uh, you can see FTR and refs all immediately check on him. He appears to be fine because he was up still doing stuff even was a uh, you know murmuring on commentary here in a second so he seems to be okay but it was scary uh it, it's, it's it's the type of career ending uh, you know injury you could see right there uh ultimately though a fun fun finish as uh we're gonna see mjf is there he looks like he's gonna be the, the guy who's gonna get it all dax harwood comes in and basically takes the missile takes the bullet for mjf and dax by pushing mjf out of the ring is left alone with the baby faces he gets a GTS first trouble, a Scorpion death drop first trouble, and then a coffin drop first trouble. One, two, three. Sting, Darby Allen, and CM Punk standing tall in Greensboro. As I mentioned, MJF, as he's leaving the uh, stage, gets on commentary and uh, touts how CM Punk is so scared of him and was running from him. So nice little chicken shit comments to close out there. So a really fun main event, Alfred. I mean, this was, uh, you know, this was, uh, I'm not always a fan of six man tags for main events, but 
I thought they made the most of this. They did. I like the pageantry of this match and the face paint that you alluded to and also the yellow trunks between MJF and FTR yes. was really cool. Uh, but this was kind of a mess in terms of the scary spots that they had um, with MJF landing on his head. I was very scared for him. Uh, the wrestling guys are really looking out for him because last week there was a scary step spot with Dante Martin where he landed right on his shoulder and he was able to recover from that. So just really, really thankful that MJF was able to finish the match. Seemed no worse for wear, but that's one of the scariest spots you'll ever see for somebody who didn't get injured. Like I, I was... My heart was in my throat after seeing how he landed on his head, but uh, this was a very, very, I thought it was a very fun match. Uh, the crowd was very much into it. It was great to see Sting in North Carolina. This crowd really took to it. AEW did a good job promoting his return to North Carolina because these fans were right there with uh, seeing the novelty of Sting back in this territory. And uh, I thought I thought everybody did really well. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, MJF has a scary spot. Darby comes flying. Darby and uh, Cash Wheeler, they go flying uh, over the ropes to the outside, have a crazy spill. Darby is fun to watch. I, I, he's so fun to watch, but I, but I just I can't. Every match, I'm just going. This kid's just on a. There's just a clock ticking. Yeah. I mean, the, the the risk factor is just. I mean, and granted, it's himself. He puts himself more at the risk than he does his opponent half the time. But I I, <laughs> I cringe. He's fun to watch, but I cringe. Um. So we'll see. But I this MJF CM Punk uh, story probably my favorite story uh, in all of AEW to see how it unfolds. Uh, and I love the fact they have actively worked to make sure these two have not laid a finger on each other. I yeah. love that. I love that when guys can truly have so much heat, but have never even, you know, so, so much to slap the other one. Yeah. And it's going to really kind of piss the crowd off more toward MJF and that they did want to see them come together and MJF wouldn't let it happen. So I, I like it. It's going to add a lot more novelty to them coming one-on-one. Yeah, you know, you look at this, and this is the kind of thing I think, you know, again, you know, we talk about CM Punk coming back, obviously one of the top moments of 2021. It's these type of things I think that, you know, help get him back, you know, is, is the prospects of you'll get to do a six-man tag with Sting and dress up like Sting uh, and and wrestle, uh, you know, top guys in the Greensboro Coliseum. Really? Like, you know, I don't think, you know, 40-something-year-old CM Punk ever thought that would be something to be possible to do that he'd, you know, but that he'd find a company that could pay him, pay Sting and sell out the Greensboro Coliseum and deliver all these things. And here we are with AEW. So I think it's things like this probably that help, help make this fun for him and then, and, and reassure him why he came back. And this is, you know, this is the place he wanted to come back to. So yeah. um, I had that thought as I was watching him and Sting embrace at the end of the match. And uh, just that, that feels like it's something that's going to be on a, be on a bucket list for him to cross off. All right. So that was AEW dynamite tonight, the holiday bash again from Greensboro. Uh, Again, one more Dynamite uh, next week, next Wednesday for the 2021 year. And then the following week, again, we are on to TBS uh, for the start of that era. That's where I'll be back is in two Wednesdays from now. Uh, but between now and then, there's going to be, again, wrestling to keep an eye on. Wrestling Inc. will have it all for you. Alpha, I'm sure you're going to have uh, more uh, more on Forbes.com, correct? Absolutely, especially with Omicron and COVID, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to spend any more time on that because I don't want to down yeah. anybody. But it's it's this is this is insane. So we'll we'll see. All right, that's going to do it uh, again. He's at this is nasty on Twitter. I am at Justin Lord. Thank you everybody for the uh, chat room. We appreciate all the live chatter there. Like, share, comment, do what you got to do. Uh, we we really appreciate it. Tell a friend. Uh, these are the times of, of of holidays. Be safe. Be merry. Be safe. This is a big thing though. And we'll I'll talk to you guys in two Wednesdays from now. Take it easy. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.